Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello everybody and welcome into this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host Jim McTeer and this podcast is rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. This is our Match Day 36 recap and it's a special midweek episode coming to you on a Friday morning after what was a fascinating round of school night action in La Liga. Across Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday we saw the title challengers face some tricky fixtures Atletico and Real Madrid both overcame those challenges with Atleti defeating Real Sociedad 2-1 and Real Madrid thrashing Granada 4-1 but Barcelona could only draw 3-3 with Levante. They were 2-0 up and 3-2 up at different points in this game but they couldn't get the job done and they're now surely out of the title race as Atletico have 80 points, Real Madrid have 78 and Barca have 76 with just two rounds to go. We'll bring in Barcelona fan and journalist Roman de Arcaire now to discuss this, what can only be described as a collapse. Roman, how can you explain that Barcelona let the lead slip away not once but twice when the title was on the line? It's difficult to explain something like this because a team like Barcelona can't really afford to uh, lose um, so many important games in such a short period of time and also after being ahead, you know, in those in those matches. But I think it comes down to two things mainly. First of all, I think it's the team's physical condition. I mean, obviously they're not as fresh as the beginning of the season or, or in the first half. And you can tell there's been lots of games, lots of competitions, and that's kind of worn out a lot of these guys. Like, for example, Pedri, who you can tell he's physically really struggling at the moment. He's not used to, I think, playing so much and it's not an ideal situation for him and then the other explanation I think is that Barca just don't have that winning mentality they used to have maybe in, in previous years with, with Valverde for example where despite not playing good football they would get uh, the results they needed to win a title like La Liga so I think that mentality is just not there any longer and the few veterans that are left are not capable of, of being as hungry as they were before and transmitting that to, to the rest of the players. Some of Ronald Koeman's decisions in this game were quite strange, weren't they? For example, what was he doing with suddenly putting Sergio Roberto at centre-back halfway through the game? Yeah, that was definitely a a surprising move from Koeman. But it's something we've seen a lot this season, where during games he does make very 
uh, strange or particular decisions which are hard to understand sometimes a lot of cases in the substitutions and in this case putting Sergio Roberto as a centre-back did feel very weird I mean we all know he's not the strongest player defensively and when you have guys like uh, Umtiti or Mingueza I mean it's a safer bet even though we know that they have limitations but uh, I think Sergio Roberto has many more as we saw uh, as a centre-back maybe Kuman wanted more control I don't know but it definitely didn't work and unfortunately uh, it's part of the reason why Barca in the end didn't win the game. Taking Dembele off for Dest when he did was a strange one too because I thought Dembele was Barcelona's best player at that point. What did you make of that change? Well, I wasn't that surprised with that particular change given that Kuman wanted uh, to reinforce that right lane and of course Dest uh, can provide more defensively than Dembele although in the end it didn't work because uh, Levante's equalizer came down that side but I mean I was more surprised with the fact that he took off Dembele and Griezmann at the same time two very important players offensively for us so there was still quite a lot of time left and, and it felt like if Levante were to score the equalizer, which happened, then Barca were going to struggle to try and get the winner. And in the end, that was the case, you know, because with Brathwaite and the other players Barca had, it just wasn't enough. And maybe Dembele could have gotten a second goal, a fourth for Barcelona, or, or Griezmann could have been there uh, to, to score a decisive goal. And I think it was a mistake to take both players off at the same time. What does the way Barcelona are finishing this season mean then for Koeman's future? He's definitely complicating his continuity at the club because uh, these results are just not uh, something Barcelona fans are going to to take well, you know, and not just the fans, but also, of course, the board members and, and Joan Laporta himself. Uh, Barca is a team that is expected to win and especially when it's teams like Levante or, or Granada, you know, you have to get those results and can't afford uh, that sort of comeback. Against a team like Atletico, maybe you can kind of make an exception, but uh, Kuman just isn't doing himself a favor at the moment. Although at the same time, he does deserve certain respect because, I mean, uh, he's taken a Barca, which was going through a transitional period, to win a Copa del Rey title, which few expected maybe could happen at the beginning of the season, and he's taken Barca to fight for La Liga right until the very end, which is also quite unexpected. So it's a complicated situation for him, and it comes down to uh, people in charge of the club to decide and to kind of balance out things and see whether there's someone who can do it better than Kuman next season, or if Kuman maybe should continue one more year until they can find the ideal candidate. It's definitely a very complicated task uh, they have at the club. Yeah, for sure. Now, I'm not saying Ter Stegen is having a bad season, he's still been good, but do you think we've seen in this title race that there's a difference in the big freeze goalkeepers? Because I think Courtois and Oblak have shown they're a level above Ter Stegen this year. I mean, they're making huge saves every game, and Ter Stegen just isn't. I'm not so sure, because to be honest, I've never really considered um, Ter Stegen to be a better goalkeeper than Oblak, but... This season, he's impressed me a lot, to be honest. He's been uh, possibly as important as Messi, but on the other side of the field. The thing is that Barca this year defensively has been awful, and they've been conceding um, all sorts of goals. I mean, we've been talking about it, conceding three goals against Levante, uh, letting uh, Granada come back. Uh, Valencia scored a couple, I mean... 
that's just not uh, something you can fully put the blame on to Ter Stegen. Of course, the defense works as a whole, but uh, we've had a lot, a lot of problems at the back. And I think that if um, Ter Stegen maybe had a more reliable defense as Atletico de Madrid, or even Real Madrid, where despite all the injuries, the guys who've come on have always performed at a really high level, I think he would be conceding way less and we wouldn't maybe uh, be appreciating so many differences between uh, the three goalkeepers. So honestly, I think that Ter Stegen is, is pretty much at the same level, only that he's uh, in a more complex situation. Mm, I think you're right that the, the defences are quite different, but I do think Courtois and Oblak are proven to be a different level. Anyway, on Levante, they've now taken more points off the big three this season than any other team. They really seem to love these big fixtures, don't they? They definitely do, and it's great to see how well they can perform against the stronger sides. And to be fair with Levante, they've had a fantastic season for most of it, and I think um, they were playing wonderful football, just that towards the end, once they got eliminated from the Copa del Rey in the semi-finals against Athletic Club, you did feel like they lost a bit of maybe motivation or ambition, and maybe that's why their performances haven't been as great. But then once they get a big club visiting home or they have to go to a stadium against a stronger side, they always find that extra energy they need and their performance was always really good, especially in the second half against Barcelona. And credit to them because thanks to these results against stronger sides, they're now safe and will remain in Primera División. Before we get back to the title race and discuss in depth how Atletico and Real Madrid got on, Let's take a look at the relegation battle to finish part one of this episode. We'll do so with Alan Feely, who's here with this week's Sore Throat Game of the Week segment. This is where we look in detail at one fixture that had some wild commentary clips, and it was always going to be dramatic as Elche took on Alaves. This was the season's last head-to-head matchup between any two of the six teams in the relegation battle, and it was the Alaves supporting commentators who had something to celebrate from this six-pointer. Here's Alan to tell us more. Alaves went to Estadio Martinez Valero on Tuesday evening in need of a win, and they got one in some style. The men from the Basque country beat Elche 2-0 thanks to goals from Jose Lu and Luis Rioja, with the latter assisting the former and the former assisting the latter in a pleasing symmetry. The result was Alaves' second win in five and gave their bid to be the drop an injection of enthusiasm. They sit 15th after the match day, a point ahead of Hitafe, two clear of Huesca and just four short of Valencia. As for Elche, it leaves them in a rather precarious spot. They have now suffered three defeats in the bounce and sit second from bottom. They're level of points at bottom place Ibar and just one behind Real Valdelid. Lucas Boy went close for Elche in the opening moments, while Rioja threatened for Alaves, with a breakthrough coming in the 48th minute. Rioja collected a short corner before creating space in the area and funneling the ball across goal to José Lu, who finished with a plum to give his team that pivotal first-half advantage, a goal detailed by Inico Aldecoa of Radio Vitoria. The league was doubled 10 minutes into the second half. 
José Lu returned the favour, turning provider to set up the ever-dangerous Rioja. José Lu played a delicate ball across goal to perfectly tee up Rioja, who struck with a falling volley past Elche goalkeeper Paolo Gazaniga and into the back of the net, a goal again superbly narrated by Aldecoa. Y qué merecido además. Otro golísimo, golísimo, golísimo. Boy tested Alaves goalkeeper Fernando Pacheco again, while Edgar Mendez struck the upright. But it was the visitors' dynamic duo that sealed the deal in the end. José Lu, 31, joined Alves in 2019 after a two-year stint with Premier League side Newcastle United. He's also played in the Bundesliga as well as Spain and England. Rioja, 27, was born and raised in the Andalusian capital of Seville and joined Alaves from Almeria in 2019. The victory is another feather in the cap for Javi Caleja, who's done a stellar job since taking over Mendes Rosa back at the beginning of April. Alaves have won 12 of the 21 points available to them in La Liga since he took charge, beating Huesca, Villarreal and Elche, drawing Athletic Club, Valencia and Levante, and losing just to Ibar. El Glorioso, as Alaves are referred to, have missed their supporters more than most. They live football differently in the Basque Country, especially in a ground as atmospheric and compact as Mendy Zorosa. On the back of their recent form, and with the improving coronavirus situation, it's looking likely that those supporters will be watching live Primera football from their seats at Mendy Zorosa next season. Yeah, it's certainly looking good for Alaves right now. Of the six teams in the relegation battle, Alaves were one of only two teams who enjoyed the victory this round. The other was Huesca, who took a big 1-0 home win against Athletic Club thanks to a Sandro goal. That's enough for them to also be outside the relegation zone for now. Itafi, meanwhile, played really well in their match against a depleted Celta Vigo side, but they still lost 1-0 to an Alito strike. Real Valladolid suffered a loss as well. They were Gerard moreno They lost 2-0 to Villarreal with Gerard Moreno getting his 21st goal of the season before Etienne Capur added a late second. Then the other of the survival six is Ibar, who couldn't quite keep up their good momentum. They came from behind to draw 1-1 with Real Betis, Serge Enrique netting the equaliser in the 83rd minute, but that might just prove too little too late for them. We'll see. Alan already summed up the relegation situation perfectly, but I'll quickly refresh your memories again. So, the standings at the bottom right now are Alaves in 15th on 35 points, Itafi in 16th on 34, Wesker in 17th on 33, Real Valladolid in 18th on 31, Elche in 19th on 30, and Ibar in 20th on 30. It's all still to play for. We've got so much more to get through in this episode too, and we'll move on to talk about the top two when we come back from break. So speak to you on the other side of this short pause. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everybody and welcome back into this La Liga Lowdown Match Day 36 recap. It's time to turn our attention to the league leaders, I think. Atletico Madrid beat Real Sociedad 2-1 on Wednesday. They started really well and they got their first half goals through Yannick Carrasco and Angel Correa. They created many other chances too, but they struggled in the second half. Real Sociedad's Igor Zobaldia made it 2-1 with 7 minutes to go. Let's bring in a Letty fan and season ticket holder Sam Leverage to discuss it now. Firstly, Sam, how stressful was the end to that game as an Atleti supporter? Oh, you and it was horrendous. I mean, it's like Coco said after the game when he said that it wouldn't be Atleti if they didn't have to suffer to win. And they really suffered. I mean, the best illustration was which is Samuel Jimenez, he was on the bench and he took some of the medical tape out of the physio's bag and started chewing on it like it was chewing gum. I mean, that was the stress, the tension. And just watching it, it was painful almost, just the silence of sitting there and knowing that Atleti keep taking their foot off the gas in the last few weeks and keep relaxing and, and sitting deeper. Seeing the sub, seeing Suarez come off for an Anlodi, that kind of thing that just really put you on edge. And Real Sociedad has so many chances in that second half. I mean, really lucky for Atleti. I mean, Porto's one where it just deflected off his shin the wrong way. And if it wasn't for that, it could have been a totally different result. But, I mean, that's the thing with Atleti. You suffer a lot, but you, you keep believing in the team and you keep believing that they can do it because you know that you've got Jan Oblak in goal. You know that you've got Stefan Savic in defence. He's going to throw his body in the way of anything. 
and you've got guys like Goke, Saul, who will run through brick walls to to try and get the ball back. And so it's a different kind of suffering. It's not a suffering that you're expecting the team to concede, but it's a suffering that you know it could happen. And Atleti are going to have to do plenty more of that if they are to win La Liga. Mm, yeah, but Atleti started really well, didn't they? The opening half hour was something to be encouraged about, surely. For sure. I mean, the first half an hour was some of the best football that we've seen from Atleti for, for quite a while. I think they really turned it up. And, and that's the issue that we've had with Atleti a little bit recently is that we turn up and we have a great half hour, a great 40 minutes, and then we take our foot off the gas. And it's very much kind of Atleti in 2021. I think earlier on in the season, we sustained that. And, you know, you'd have a whole 90 minutes playing football like that. Now, I'm not sure if it's fitness, the injuries in COVID that have hit the squad, but... We can play like that in bursts, fits and bursts, but we can't sustain it for the whole 90 minutes. I mean, Elche was was similar. There were times where we played some really good football and then later on in the second half, it was like watching a different team. And in that first half, with the energy, the pace of Llorente, Carrasco, I mean, Real Sociedad just couldn't handle it. If it was if Luis Suarez was on a good day, it could have been 3 or 4 nil at half time. So positives to take for Atletico, but yeah, I think the consistency is the issue. And I saw a stat the other day that to win La Liga, Atleti only needs to win these last three games. But Atleti haven't won three games in a row in La Liga since January. So that's where the concern is. Can Atleti keep these fits and bursts of quality up, but do it enough to see it out? And I think if they play like they did against Real Sociedad, against Osasuna and Valladolid, then that should be enough. When Atleti did fade towards the end of this game, Jan Oblak came up with some big saves. How do you rate his season? Is this his best one yet? I'm not listening to anyone who says that Jan Oblak is anything other than the best goalkeeper in the world. I mean, he can stop anything, throw whatever it is at him. Real Sotheo threw loads at him. I mean, Isaac, Porto, they had plenty of chances and Oblak just got in the way of every single one, whether it was a single save, a double save, a triple save. He just could not be beaten. I mean, even the goal... He was unfortunate, but there was nothing he could do about that. And you just know that with Atleti, with Oblak in goal, the chances of a clean sheet are pretty high. I mean, I had a look at the XG stats and the expected goals for Atletico are 13 goals higher than the actual number of goals conceded. And a big part of that is because of Jan Oblak. I think we can talk about the other quality goalkeepers in La Liga, Vinter Stegen, Gortois, they're fantastic goalkeepers. But for me, Jan Oblak is the number one in the world and by some distance. Many Atleti fans gathered outside the stadium for this match, didn't they? What have you heard about how that came about? Yeah, so there were loads of videos going around on social media and things of the Atletico fans who could be heard from from inside the ground, but they were all crowded outside the ground. Um, They were there from when the team bus arrived. They were there with flares, chanting to welcome players to the ground. And then they stayed and watched. I mean, there was no way they could watch the game. They they were all behind a barrier outside the ground. Couldn't get, even get up to the, the gates into the stadium. And so they just stood there with their flags, their scarves and, and flares, drums, microphones, all sorts, chanting, cheering. A really great initiative. I think it was originally started by the the controversial ultras group, the Frente Atletico. But then it wasn't just them who were there. There were loads of Atleti fans who turned up, loads of families and... And all kinds of people who turned up just to cheer on the team. I think it was kind of very much for Atleti, who are a club that are so connected to their fans in many ways that that they aren't kind of your typical Super League team, to put it that way, who 
who don't need their fans as much because they've got so much quality on the pitch. This is Atletico Madrid and this is about kind of the connection with with the people, which is what Diego Simeone spoke about after the game, that, that Atletico need their people and they felt that they had their people hearing those chants playing against Dario Sotilas. So Atletico fans know now that they're not going to be allowed back into the stadium this season, but that was their way to kind of be there and cheer the team on these last few final hurdles in La Liga. Yeah, two hurdles left, two games to go now against Osasuna and Real Valladolid. But it's still partido a partido, right? Game by game. Yeah, it's partido a partido. That's all it can be for Atletico Madrid. I I think just following this season so far, that's all Atletico have been able to do is go partido a partido, not look at results elsewhere, not think what other teams are doing. Just we need to get three points in the next game we have. And if we do that enough, then we'll... Will be all right at the end of the season. With Osasuna and Valladolid, they're two difficult games. Maybe teams who don't have too much to play for. Maybe Valladolid will be relegated by the time that that Atleti play them, and Real Madrid maybe have the tougher fixtures. But Atletico Madrid are never going to look at the other teams and what they're doing. It's going to be we have to work our socks off on the training ground and on the pitch to get the three points in the next game. Okay, thank you, Sam. Well, breathing down Atleti's necks are their city rivals, Real Madrid. They're still there, just two points behind after they won 4-1 away at Granada. It was a very good performance from Real Madrid with their goals coming from Luka Modric, Rodrigo, Odriozola and Karim Benzema. Let's find out what our resident Real Madrid fan Hassan Karim made of it. Now, we were talking before this game, Hassan. I know you weren't too confident going into this one, but in the end... That was quite comfortable, wasn't it? Well, it's quite funny, actually. We were joking about it before the game. Um, I was quite nervous ahead of this one, given the fact that Granada have been very good this season. Um, but yeah, no, definitely it was a, quite a, a comfortable win, far more than I expected. Um, and, you know, definitely I think Real's mentality is showing. I mean, it's the same sort of mentality that obviously won in the league last season when they won 10 on the spin, um, when they want to turn it on in those back-to-the-wall moments. I don't know if there's any team in Spain that does it better than Madrid does. Um, and that's partly down to probably Zinedine Zidane, but obviously the proven winners across the uh, the pitch in the dressing room as well. So, yeah, definitely a case of experience showing in that sense in these high-pressure moments. When Granada pulled one back, it was quite interesting to me because in this midweek round, each of the top three experienced having a 2-0 lead and then seeing it cut to 2-1 at some point. Barcelona kind of freaked out and eventually drew. Atletico went into lockdown mode and saw it out. But Real Madrid went and scored two more of their own immediately. Does that maybe show that Real Madrid have a different approach compared to Barcelona and Atleti? It's something we've seen from Real Madrid before, particularly from Zidane as well during his tenure. Um, I mean, we saw it last season when their backs were against the wall, they went... 10 for 10, um, and it's something I think, in particular to Barcelona, uh, and Koeman is a lack of experience in that sense, whereas Real Madrid have kind of had that mental fortitude instilled in them as a result of the Zidane tenure, they know how to go out and win when they need to. Um, so it's not too much of a surprise that they have this different approach in that sense. Um so yeah, it's definitely a staple of of the Zidane era in that sense, knowing how to win and when to win. 
Marvin Park and Miguel Gutierrez, the two young fullbacks, they were the stars of the first half for Real Madrid. How impressed were you by them? It's definitely very impressive and very relieving to a sense. I mean, both were involved in goals. Um, Marvin Parks actually played at right back, or right wing back, I guess I should say, um, before playing against, I think it was Hatafi off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's it's useful to see that they've got players there who can provide depth, in a sense, at that position. But saying that, in the same regard, you know, Andre Rosal put in a good shift when he came on as well. So it's it's definitely relieving for Real Madrid fans, at least, to see that they've got you know, solid options now at right back. And, you know, Miguel Gutierrez is also showing that he's, you know, he's he's good. He's got ability to be playing amongst the seniors. Um, I don't think they did themselves any wrong at all in this game. You know, they were both very happy to take the ball. They were good in possession. They got into good positions. Um, both fantastic performances, you know, and definitely something to to take note of. Um, it just shows to, goes to show further credit for how good Raul is doing with the Castilla squad. Um, you know, everyone that's come forward has always been very solid. So it's definitely relieving and, you know, it makes you wonder what other players could possibly come up from there that could really, you know, step up like these guys have. Now, Miguel Gutierrez played because Marcelo wasn't there, reportedly with an injury niggle. So what does Miguel's good performance mean now for Marcelo? Yeah, it's not ideal for Marcelo to be in this kind of position right now. Uh, you know, he's obviously completely and utterly lost his, his starting spot to fill on Mendy. That's a foregone conclusion, has been now for essentially two seasons. Um, and it definitely won't help his case. The fact that you now have got Miguel Gutierrez, who's clearly showing ability to be at that level. Um, and given the fact that Marcelo is now obviously the wrong side of 30, has been quite injury prone for a little while now. And if there's now fitness issues and, you know, questions surrounding his general shape um it does not bode well for him or his future at the Bernabeu so I would be worried if I were Marcelo that the chopping block could soon be looming for him in that sense yeah one to keep an eye on for sure okay thanks Haas now we've covered all the games involving the title challengers which no longer include Sevilla even though they got another good result this week by defeating Valencia 1-0 at home with Another use of end the series goal. Atletico's win meant that they can no longer win the title. Sevilla have already met their objective for the season though, which was just to finish in the top four. And if they manage to finish ahead of Real Madrid in third, then they would even manage to qualify for the Super Cup too, which would be cool for them. Finishing ahead of Barcelona, by the way, wouldn't matter in that sense because Barca already qualified for the Super Cup since they won the Copa del Rey. But Sevilla will fight to the end to finish as high as possible. Now, to finish off this episode, a quick look at the Europa League battle, where it's Real Sociedad in 5th on 56 points, Real Betis 6th on 55, and Villarreal 7th on 55. They then have a 5-point gap to Celta Vigo, who do have momentum with 4 wins in a row. But it does look like we know our 3 other European participants. They're just fighting it out to see which two go to Europa League and who goes to the new Conference League. And then there's one final game we've not mentioned at all yet, which was actually one of the more entertaining matches. Osasuna and Cadiz both mathematically secured survival last weekend, so they were able to throw caution to the Pamplona wind on Tuesday, and it's produced a fun 3-2 win for Osasuna. 
that match didn't really matter. But, of course, Osasuna's match this weekend really does matter as they visit Atleti. We'll be covering all the title race drama from La Liga Lowdown's Twitter account, so make sure you're following if you're not already. For now, thanks for listening to this episode, and thanks to Roman de Arcaire, Alan Feely, Sam Leverage, and Hassan Karim for their contributions. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and we'll be back at the start of next week to recap the penultimate round of the season. Enjoy watching it when it comes on Sunday. It should be a lot of fun. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.